kick. Backing track is running. I mean that. Yeah. 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 Here. <laughs> Well, good morning. Welcome back. So we have a few survivors of Snowmageddon 2023. Amen. Amen. I know we all have 
stories and been sharing those, and that's good. Um, it really is good to be all of us, or most of us, back together this morning. Um, pay attention to those who aren't here, and maybe let's make sure we're checking on people. Uh, we've been sending crews out and trying to get people shoveled out as we've heard about it, and uh, hopefully you're all doing okay. But if you have a need, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the gift of uh, reading minds doesn't run in my family, and, uh, and, and uh, God doesn't always tell me who's sitting at home with a broken pipe. So, um, but uh, if, if there's a need at your house, please let us know. That's what the body of Christ is, is for. And uh, we'll, you know, we want to care for one another. So we want to do that. Those sitting online this morning, a lot of people are joining online because uh, after church, of course, today we have our, our meeting, annual meeting. Oh, I just want to look at you for a second. Wow, this is great. Amen. No, haven't changed. A little stronger? Everyone's ever a little bit stronger? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Amen. Yeah. And and uh, one of the things we'll have to work with our our plow company. At halfway through the storm, they were plowing the the dirt side, and then this last wave they didn't, and I didn't realize that. And so we hope. Did anyone have a parking spot today? Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I we're gonna have to get that done this week. So, uh, anyways. Uh, but it's good to be together. We're gonna worship the Lord this morning. I'm really excited to have Madeline back this morning. Woo! And uh, she's going to be sharing about uh, what God did with, with, you know, in her and through her and with her um, in uh, Sweden and Malaysia for service today. We're going to be having communion also, which is a great time. And then after service, we're going to have lunch together, which is a, really another opportunity to have that communion, uh, that fellowship and, and all that. So but let's, uh, who wants to pray and open the service and this morning? You know, feeling, feeling bold? Ralph will do it. I see it. I see that hand. Thank you, Ralph. stand and worship this morning. Enough for all of me, 
for every thirst and every need you satisfy me with your love and all I have in you is more than enough You're my sacrifice of greatest price Still more awesome than I know You're the coming King, you are everything Still more awesome than I know And all of you is more than enough for all of me Every need you satisfy me with your love, and all I have in you more than more than all I want, more than all I need. You are more than enough for me, more than all I know, more than all I more than enough more than all I want more than all I need you are more than enough for me more than all I know more than all I can say you are more than enough and all of you is more than enough for all of me for every thirst and every need you satisfy me with your love and all I have in you and all I have in you and all I have in you is more than enough You're the miracle worker, you're all sufficient, and you are more than enough. How you serve, I'll serve 
If this life I lose, I will follow you. I will follow you. Yeah. Light into the world, light into my life. I will live for you alone. You're the one I see, knowing I will find all I need in you alone, in you alone. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Who you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. In this life, I live. I will follow you, I will follow you, in you is life everlasting, in you is freedom for my soul, in you is joy unending joy, and I will follow where you go I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Who you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Who you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. In this life I lose, I will follow you, I will follow you,
Savior of the world, the hope for Sing a simple song of love To my Savior To my Jesus I'm grateful for the things you've done My loving Savior Oh precious Jesus That you've called me your own And there's no place I'd rather be 
is our prayer that our voices, our life would be a sweet sound to you in offering. God, we thank you for your love in our life. Thank you for your love for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Before you sit down, love someone, greet someone, be careful of their sore arms as you hug them. glad to see me? <laughs> so humble, right? <laughs> well, I have just a couple announcements for you guys. Um, I'm back. <laughs> um, so the first announcement is, of course, that we have our uh, annual church membership meeting today after service. There's a ton of soup. So we're serving lunch, and we've got bread and salad, and we're going to break bread together. We're going to talk about what happened over this last year. We're going to talk about what's coming forward for the future. And uh, yeah, just take care of some business, if you know what I mean. 
So again, that's right after service. I'm sure we're going to need some help with moving the chairs, getting some tables in here, setting up the soup and everything. So if you're an able-bodied person and want to help, that would be awesome. Speaking of able-bodied people, there is a program, apparently, where if you are 60 and over, um, there's people that will come and they'll shovel your berm out. So we just came through the Snowmageddon. Um, look, y'all survived. Good job. Um, but if you need some help and you're 16 over, please connect with Bobby. Bobby, can you raise your hand? Um, she'll get your information and get you connected with those people for that program. Um, so that's really the only announcements that I have. So we're just going to continue our time of worship and receive our tithes and offerings. Oh, there's a hand. Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> I wanted to read this to you guys because I thought it was pretty cool. And I was going to try and memorize it, but didn't have enough time, and I didn't want it to sound bad. So here we go. All right. So John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Of course, most of us have heard this verse before, but sometimes it takes reading it a couple times to unlock more meaning within Scripture. So let's read it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God so loved us that he gave. And not only that, but he gave us his very, very best. It is God's very nature to give to his children. Not only this, but we can also see that the reason he gave was because he first loved. For God so loved the world that he gave. So the nature of God's giving is rooted in his unconditional love for us. Isn't that good? Now, I haven't, oh, so now Ephesians 5 says this. We're going to flip over there. Um, wait, where did it go? Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. So God loved the world so much that he gave and the Apostle Paul tells us, the church, to be imitators of God. And not only that, but also to walk in love just as Christ loved us. Isn't that good? <laughs> so today, as we give up this offering, we all have the opportunity to imitate God through our love and put that love into action in our giving just as he did for us. So thanks for bearing with me as I read through that, but I thought it would be better to read it than me try and, you know, butcher it through memory. <laughs> So let's just, uh, let's pray and be thankful that God gave us, so we want to give, gave to us, so we want to give back to him. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are God that provides in every single way. <coughs> we ask that through what's given today, God, as we give to you because of the love that you gave to us, God, that um, you would just be glorified in all of it. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
just go ahead and hang on to it. Uh, you can put, put it on a chair next to you or whatever. I'm going to pray for it. Um, if we've been in 1 Corinthians, so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians just as we talk about communion a little bit today. And then I want to give Madeline plenty of time, so I'm not going to go real long. Um, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which is our next chapter, uh, then we're moving on. I'm excited about the next few weeks. It, 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 we're going to be talking, spending a few weeks talking about spiritual gifts, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and then we'll get uh, for a few weeks, and then we're going to get into love and some other great scriptures. Uh, again, prophecy and tongues. First uh, Corinthians is. Uh, we're getting into a fun section, but this morning, as we're about to celebrate communion together. Just wanted to share share a little bit, kind of right right where we're at. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your time. It is time in the Word, Father, and um, we thank you for what communion, the Lord's Supper, represents and it means. Father, I just pray your blessing upon this time, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. Let me just read out of this. Um, we've been going through 1 Corinthians, and we understand that, that Paul has been addressing some issues, and he's still going to be talking now about some, some issues going on uh, regarding Lord's Supper, but starting in verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. It's one of the only places he kind of says, you know, you getting together isn't good here. Um, so we've got to find out why, what's going on here. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. Remember, we started out this journey through uh, Corinthians, finding out there was divisions among them in, in different ways. Some were saying, I follow Paul, and others, Apollos. Um, and he goes, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry and another gets drunk. What, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. And goes on, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then it goes on to a, a kind of an interesting section. He's there, and he says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may, uh, we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. So the Lord's Supper, this was a meal that the disciples were taking together, and they were eating it regularly together. We have downgraded it, in a sense, to a wafer and some juice. 
And this is kind of what we've been doing for a long time in the church. But the original Lord's Supper, the time of communion, was a time where the body would get together and they would share a meal. Now, in that time, uh, it would be a lot of the, the wealthy people, they would be coming and they would be providing most of the food for everyone. And, and apparently what was happening is, is the wealthy among the group would come early and they would bring the food and then they would just start uh, gorging out and eating all the food. And the poorer people in the church would show up later or, or just not be able to be served and, and they wouldn't have as much food to eat. And so this was happening right in the church. And so there was this disparity, divisions and factions happening uh, between the wealthy and the poor. And we see these things happening still sometimes in the church. Uh, sometimes in, in churches, wealthy people uh, seem to have a prominent position that should never be. And so Paul is correcting this when it comes to the Lord's Supper, that, that it would be something that would be, we need to be we loving one another, the, the basis for this meal that they would have and this communion that it represents for us is the love of God towards us and our love for one another. And so they were, we should be coming together and, and loving one another, preferring one another. And that's what was not happening in the church at Corinth. And so as we go in, um, there is some, some disagreement. I, let, I, I tend to lean on a on the less common interpretation of verse 19 um, than others. That's probably, you know, just because it's the way I am. But it, a lot of people in the past have interpreted verse 19, there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized, saying, hey, there's, there's actually uh, non-believers here and, and believers here, and we, we understand that, and, and you know, be, because of that, it, it's easy to see who the real believers are. I don't actually lean towards that interpretation. I actually think Paul is being sarcastic here. I think he's actually, and there's a number of translations that, that lean towards that. And again, what I've talked about, the Greek is very different, it's not word for word. And so I believe that, that as he's coming out of 18, uh, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. I believe it in part. And then in a sarcastic tone, I believe he's saying, there must be divisions among you so that those who are are real among you may be recognized. In other words, yeah, you want some other, you want everyone else to see who you are. And they're kind of standing out and he's like, this is, this shouldn't be happening. Some of you are acting in a way that you stand out. Um, and that's all about that. It's, it's look at me, look at me. I'm the real deal. It says, when you come together, it's not the Lord's supper that you eat. Well, why not? Why? Well, because their hearts aren't right. See, when we come together and we have the bread and, and the, the juice, when we have that Lord's Supper, it's, there's nothing special about the matzah bread that we use or the grape juice that we drink. Nothing special about it at all. Now, so there are some uh, beliefs that, that the, actual, the, the bread becomes the body and, and the, the drink becomes the actual blood of Jesus. I can't, and won't, we'll get it all that right now. They had this meal possibly every week. On a Saturday night, they would gather together and they would eat this from house to house. But every time they did it, we're going to see it as often, it says down here, it says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Every time they would get together, it was a reminder that we have the ability to meet with other believers because of what Jesus did for us. So how can it be that if we are getting together and doing this for show, that it's real? 
communion, the Lord's Supper, is something that needs to happen, I believe, with a group of people. Now, I understand sometimes people like to do it on their own. There's nothing wrong with that. But all the teachings of this Lord's Supper, of the communion, it's about being in a group of people. It's loving one another, displaying the body of Christ, talking about the Lord's death, it even says, proclaiming his death. And that is so important because this uh, bread, this, this wine, this communion that we have, this time together, only happens because Jesus died for us. And so it's a really important time as believers. I don't think it needs to happen just once a month. I like the idea of as often. You know, whenever you're with a group of believers, to take that moment and, and you know, in this time, there was probably one loaf that they would take. And, and we've done that here at times, taking the loaf and as you pass it, everyone rips off a little piece. Uh, and this would have probably been, it may have been the matzah for the, the Passover, but other times bread. They would break off one piece and pass it along, understanding that we are the body. Each of us is part of the body. And they would pass that bread around and they'd each take off a piece. That's such a beautiful time. You can do that whenever you're together with other believers over whatever meal because our fellowship is because of Christ. Where we could take a time to say, let's remember what Christ did for me. Including if it's a hot dog bun. Because it's about, hey, this, this is what the Lord has done. When we get together as believers, we only get together as believers because of his sacrifice, his body, and the blood that was porn, pour, poured out for us. And, and so he goes on and he talks a little bit about saying, you've come in and somebody's going hungry, somebody else is getting drunk. Apparently they didn't just use grape juice. Um, and, and they were go, doing excess, they weren't waiting on. He was just, listen, don't you have houses to do all that stuff in? You know, this is not just about coming and gorging yourself. There's, sometimes if I think of the, the potlucks, oh, oh, you know, I've been in a number of churches and at different times in my life I've seen like sometimes there was a person who came in and just kind of like, like a locust. They bring their family and just kind of locust. And, and then if you're behind that, that group of people, I don't know any right now in the church so I can say it. You know, if you're behind that person, you're like, good luck, there's not any food left. There's no food left. No, I'm going to raise your hands because have you ever seen that? But a lot of you have been church long enough, you're like, oh man, I remember there was a time. Well, Paul is saying, no, this is what it's about. You know, we come and we, we share. One of the, you know, what we have, we share together. It's about being together and sharing together. So he's saying, don't, don't do those things. Why? Because we want to love one another. This Lord's Supper is changed and, and re-understood the Passover in Exodus 12 when the death angel passed over each person in Israel, everyone who had the blood of the lamb on their, on their doorposts and on the lentils, um, the passed over and God was saying, I will spare you. In this blood, if you have this blood on your life, he will spare you. He will spare you. There won't, the death angel won't uh, come to your house. So it's a really important time. And as we, we have it this morning, it's, I want it to be more than just it's time for the, the, the dry cracker and the in the juice, and, we, and you know, some people go, well, you have to have the juice second because these crackers are so dry, you've got to wash them down. Um, some churches do wafers that are so dry and they kind of like styrofoam, they stick to the roof of your mouth. It's not about that. Because of that, it can lose significance as we do it here. Now, this is so important that people, 
Paul goes on to say that the, the people, they were coming in and because some were taking it in an unworthy manner that they were getting sick and literally dying. You know, there's a seriousness of following the Lord. The seriousness and importance of really being true and following the Lord and, and living for Him, loving one another. Uh, this should remind us. Uh, and then verse 23, I'm going to wrap this up and we'll, we'll take, have our communion together. And, and again, we're going to really, those who are staying for lunch, which, you know, you're all, you're all welcome. I think we have enough food for everyone. So, um, cause, um, for the meeting, we'll have actual meal together. But it says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. I don't know how Paul received it for sure. It's, he may have received it in a vision when he did that three years in, the, in, in Arabia and really received it directly from God. Otherwise, he, he received it um, you know, f- through the apostles. But, but he says, I received from the Lord that when I'm delivering to you that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. I encourage you to read uh, the, the accounts of Jesus in the Last Supper. The one at John is wonderful because it talks about their, their time together and then walking out by the garden. He was trying to teach them that life as they knew it was going to be different, that Christ was about to make a way for them to have forgiveness of sins. We don't think about it much, but these disciples, as long as Jesus was alive, they were probably going to the temple to make their sacrifices still. They were Jewish. There's nothing wrong with it. That, that was the system. And, and, and for them, Jesus was about to shake up everything. This is a new covenant. My body's about to be broken for you. And the blood, we don't have to throw it on the altar anymore. You re- read Leviticus and Exodus, and it gets pretty, pretty bloody can't even imagine how much blood there was being spilled in the sin, sin offerings and sacrifice. They would take it and they would sacrifice the bulls and the turtle doves and they'd throw it against the altar. I mean, it was just, wow. And Jesus saying, I'm making a new covenant with you. You don't need to do that anymore. Church, we have this amazing relationship available to us with Christ. His sacrifice for our sin has granted us forgiveness. The death angel passes over us. We all deserve to die. But the death angel passes over us because of his blood. He says, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the broken body of Jesus. I thank you for the church the body of Christ that I get to be a part of. This matzah was part of one cracker, and we're all the body. Thank you for allowing your body to be broken for me. Let's take together. Verse 25 says, In the same way he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. That picture of the disciples getting together weekly to, to have a meal, not for a religious ceremony, not to, not to just fulfill something. They were, they were so excited to be part of the body of Christ. They were just fellowshipping and loving each other and, and loving the Lord. As often as you do this, every week, 
every day. Do it in remembrance of me. Father, help us to never forget what this is about. Help us to remember always who you are, what you did for us. We thank you for the blood of Jesus poured out for us. Let's take it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We rejoice this morning. We thank you. God, we thank you that we can be part of your church. Thank you that we're the bride of Christ and you are our bridegroom. Father, we're thankful that we have part of the body of Christ back to share with us um, from a far land and... and uh, Father, we thank you how beautiful the, are, are the feet of those who bring good news from a far land. So we thank you for Madeline and her beautiful feet and uh, what she's going to share with us today. Um, just thank you that you have watched over her and brought her home safe and bless the rest of our time and service in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Hello, everybody. I've missed you guys a lot. I'm very happy to be home. In the cold. It was cold in Sweden, too, so. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Madeline. I am Pastor Rob's daughter. Um, and you may have seen me in videos um, a few, for the past few months. Um, I have been serving in YWAM for the last five months. I got home about two weeks ago. Um, and so this morning I'm just going to share a little bit first about what YWAM is and what a DTS is. Um, and then I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about my experience and <coughs> what I was doing in Sweden and in Malaysia. So I'm going to pray one more time just to start this out for us. So Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the people who are here. God, I thank you for everybody who's tuning in online. Um, Father, I just pray that you'd speak through me this morning. Um, yeah, we just give this time to you, God. We ask that you'd fill this place with your spirit. In Jesus' name. So YWAM, it stands for Youth with a Mission. Um, and it was started in 1960 by Lauren Cunningham. Um, Lauren was given a vision from the Lord, and it was a picture of young people being washed up onto shore-like waves. Um, and they were going out into all the world, and they were preaching the gospel. And so it took a few years for YWAM to establish, but uh, the first base was started in Switzerland. Um, and Lauren felt that in order to send people out into the world to preach the gospel, that they needed a little, little bit of background. They needed some experience, and they needed to know who God was in a personal way. So that's when he started what is called a DTS, and it stands for a Discipleship Training School. And what it is, is it's three months of lecture phase with two to three months of outreach, which is just like a mission trip. So during the lecture phase, we'll have classes from Monday through Friday, um, and the topics could range from the Father Heart of God to evangelism, worship, um, inner healing, freedom in Christ, lots of different topics, um, and all the YWAM bases do the same things. Um, and then beyond that, during the week, we'll also have ministry time, we'll do evangelism. Um, for my base specifically, we had what was like called open meeting on Monday nights, which is just a church service in our house. Um, so that's kind of what lecture phase looks like. The purpose of it is for you to know God and experience him in a personal way, um, to establish a deeper understanding of who he is um, and what the Bible says about him and about the world and about us. 
and lecture or the outreach happens right after that and the purpose of it is to apply everything that you have been um, given and is to go out and it's to fulfill the great commission to do what God called us to do in Matthew chapter 28. So my DTS, my YWAM experience, I was in a small town called Linköping in Sweden um, and the base I was part of was called YWAM Transform. The uh, founders of the base, Anders and Sarah, they founded it I believe in 2008. They've been there for just, they've been there for a long time. And so just this last year, they actually started a second base in another part of Sweden, Stockholm, the capital. Um, and so their vision from God was to see a from all over. There was another American there. We had somebody from Mexico, somebody from Sweden, Switzerland, and then Germany. And then in the base, we had 11 staff members. And they were coming from all over the world as well. Um, and yeah, so it's basically like community living. We just were in a really big house. We have a classroom, a prayer room. The girls have their section, and the guys have their section of the house. Um, but it's really fun. I definitely enjoyed living with a lot of people for um, those few months. Um, and so there was another DTS going on in Stockholm as well, and this was the very first DTS that they had at the base, so it was a really big milestone for them this year. Um, and so, like I said, we had a lot of different topics every week. We had different teachers coming in. Um, a lot of them were coming from Sweden, but some of them were coming from all over the world. We had somebody from uh, South Africa come. We had a couple people from Argentina come and teach. Um, so it's really powerful to see people um, being used in their God is working in their lives and they're coming all the way from their countries to come teach a small group of students in Sweden. So it's really powerful. Um, I, yeah, I've experienced God in a lot of amazing ways in the last few months. I feel very blessed to have been there and to um, have met so many wonderful people. Um, during the time, we were also able to do different events with uh, the team from Stockholm. So they, had, they were also a group of six. So we were in Stockholm and then they were in Linköping. We went back and forth for a couple weeks at a time. Um, I also traveled all throughout Sweden. We went to a couple different YWAM events. Um, one event we were there, it's like a family gathering of sorts. So it was all of YWAM Sweden, which I believe there are seven bases. So there were a lot of people and it was just a whole weekend of um, just seeking the Lord and, and being in worship and fellowship with one another. We also had one big evangelism event where we all went out and we just talked to people. So it's it's so powerful to see how God's working in other places in the world. Um, so that's a little bit about my DTS experience. Um, yes. Uh, so for outreach, we went to Malaysia. We were supposed to go to Indonesia and Malaysia, but uh, some crises are going on in Indonesia right now. So. We went to just Malaysia for the two months. We left on December 6th, I believe, and we were there till the 26th of January. Um, and I'm gonna try to give clear information about Malaysia. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Flo is from Malaysia. And so we actually talked before I went. She was super helpful. She gave me a lot of good advice. Um, and it was, it was such a blessing to be able to talk to somebody because I had never heard of Malaysia before I went there. I was like, where is this country? Where are we going? Okay. <laughs> 
So they say when you've been to Malaysia, you've seen all of Asia because it is three different cultures in one. It is the Malaysian people, it is Chinese, and it is Indians. And they also have a lot of immigrants, so they have Indonesians, they have people from Myanmar. Uh, so it's a lot of different people, a lot of different languages. Thankfully, they do speak English there, and that's kind of their first language, actually. It's broken, but, you know, it's, it works. So we changed locations seven times while we were in Malaysia in the seven and a half weeks that we were there. So I'm going to just kind of sum up what we did. Um, so for the first month, we were in the capital. We were in Kuala Lumpur, um, and we did a lot of different ministry there. Uh, we focused mainly in evangelism. Um, there's a lot of different Chinese-cultured areas there, so we were able to work with them a lot. We did a lot of different churches and worship times with them. Um, but there is a lot of spiritual warfare in this country. This is a Muslim country. It is actually illegal to be a Christian there um, as a Malaysian person, and it is illegal for you to evangelize to people who are born Malay. So. It was a little dangerous for us to be witnessing to certain people groups. So in the beginning, we really focused on the Indian people. We really focused on Chinese. Um, and we kind of steered clear of the Muslims because we didn't know what would happen to us. Um, and we didn't want to get them in trouble. Um, it's very dangerous for them to convert. If the government found out that they were looking into something else um, beyond their religion, they can be kicked out of the country, or they can be taken to camps and they can be brainwashed and then thrown back into their homes. So it's very dangerous for them. Um, so we had to be really cautious. So it was a little difficult in the first month to gain our ground. We, we really tried, we were cautious in who we talked to, but we really saw God working in Kuala Lumpur. We saw God working in the different people that we were with. We worked with a YWAM base while we, we were there. And so it was really awesome to be able to evangelize and witness with other Christians who are serving there. Um, it was really, really powerful. So after the four weeks in Kuala Lumpur, we went to another city called Penang. Um, Penang's kind of like the tourist attraction of Malaysia. It's very different. Um, there's a lot more Indians here. But during this week and a half, we really wish we could be there longer because we really felt God working in this place. When we got there, we felt God say, go evangelize to everyone, not just the people that we would had been talking to for the past month, but he said, go talk to the Muslims. And so we did, and we were really scared at first because we didn't know what would happen. And it takes a lot more time to witness to people like this. You have to start slow. You have to start with small talk, and sometimes it takes up to a week to be able to even talk to them about Jesus. But God opened up that door while we were there. Um, we had made relationships with a few people, and so we were able to visit them throughout the week and tell them the good news. And yes, it was a little bit dangerous for us to do that for them, um, but we felt God really move, and we saw so many strongholds be broken, specifically that week. Um, where we were staying, we had like a, an overlook of the city we were in, and so our leader, Damaris, really felt that God said, every day I want you to go to the top of this roof and I want you to pray over the city. And so we were able to pray over the entire city that whole week. And it's so powerful to see how God moves in different places. It's so powerful to see how he works in prayer and how he works in people. Um, it wasn't just breakthrough in the country, but we saw so much breakthrough in our team as well. So many people who have fears of talking to people who, who really struggle to share the gospel. That was broken, and they were able to just share the good news of Jesus. They were able to talk with these people and make relationships with them. Um, yeah, it's just really awesome to see as a team, like your, your members growing and experiencing Jesus and, and helping others experience Jesus as well.
So, as I said, we were there for about a week and a half. Um, and after Penang, we flew to the eastern side of Malaysia because it's separated into two islands. So we flew to a place called Sabah. And we were there for about two weeks, I believe. Um, and we were kind of bouncing all around. We were staying in different villages while we were there. Um, the villages are very different from the city. Um, it's a lot more immigrants, it's a lot less English, um, and it's very isolated. But it was really awesome to see another part of Malaysia. So we had a translator this week, um, and it was, it was very helpful as well. But we were able to get involved with a lot of different churches, um, a lot of different youth groups. That was our ministry for the two weeks that we were there was um, youth ministry. Um, and so a few of us were actually able to preach. Um, and those nights that we had youth group, we really, we really felt the Lord was going to move in the places that we were in. And um, we had times of prayer at the end of each service. And we really just, we watched the Holy Spirit really come in and fill the, the, the atmosphere. We watched so many people give their lives to Jesus. Um, and just walls and barriers that they had in their lives that these youths were facing, they were broken. And they were able to step into freedom. They were able to step into what God had for them. Um, which is I, so powerful. Like, I know I say that a lot, but seeing young people really experiencing God just fills me with a lot of joy. And it fills them with so much joy, too. You just see, like, you see a light in their eyes, and they're like, wow, like, they, they're, they're experiencing God in a personal way. It's not just, oh, he's in the Bible. Oh, he's, he's here, but he's not here. But then you see that light in their eyes, and you're like, oh, wow, they're knowing and experiencing God in this moment. And it's just so awesome. So we really, we had a lot of fun in Saba. We had a lot of fun with the different kids there. Um, the main ministries that we focused on were kids' ministries for the two months. Um, we didn't really do a whole lot of church ministry, so we were focused more on the young ones. Um, and it was good. It was really good. It, it is hard after time to do kids' ministry, I would say, but... Uh, we were able to do a VBS while we were there, and it was for a group of kids who were not from Malaysia. And immigrants who are coming in, they can be treated very poorly. They have no rights in the country, um, and they're just they're treated as outcasts. So it is really sad to see, but um, during that week, we watched a lot of them just filled with so much joy um, as God was working in their lives, and people were pouring into them, um, and they'd never experienced that before. So that was a really good week. Um, we just did a lot of different... Sunday schools, as I said, youth groups. We were able to bless a couple of churches and um, share there. Um, it's, it's really interesting going to another country because it doesn't, as a Christian, it doesn't even matter if you're doing anything at their church because they're just so blessed to have these people coming from another country to be serving in their small towns in their country. It's really just a blessing to have other people see them and notice them, and, and God is bringing them and, and using them in a way that they've never really had before. Um, Malaysia has been under COVID restrictions for a couple years now, and so this was the first um, mission, missionary group that they've had for several years. Um, and so I really think God took advantage of that, and we just saw him working in all of the churches. We saw him working in all of the families that we met. We saw him working in the country as a whole. Um, before we left for our outreach, um, again, our leader, Damaris, was really praying and seeking the Lord. And she felt that God promised a couple of things. And he said, I'm going to bring revival. I'm going to bring breakthrough in Malaysia. And I'm going, and we were given a couple different names of people and a couple different 
just images and pictures. And we saw all of those things that he had promised in the beginning. He brought all of those to come to pass. And so we saw those people, those names that he had given us, we met them and we were able to tell them about Jesus. And all the breakthrough that he promised, we saw it happen. And we, while we were there, we were watching breakthrough happening all around the world as well. So I know for a fact that God is moving right now because he is making it happen everywhere, not just in small places. And so I definitely think we have to take advantage of this because he wants to use us in this as well. So, anyways. Yeah, we did, we were able to see a lot of healings take place while we were there. Um, we were prayed for one lady, I remember we were walking to uh, the mall close to our house, and so we were walking down the street and we saw this lady and she was uh, mostly blind. Um, she didn't speak English and so we grabbed somebody on the side and they translated for us and so we asked her if we could pray for her. Um, she was a Malaysian and so she was a little bit hesitant at first. But we prayed for her, and we prayed for her sight to be healed. Um, and at first she said nothing really happened, but we, we pushed on and we asked if we could pray again. So we prayed again, and at the end of it she said she could see a little bit. And we were like, okay, okay. And so then we prayed again, and by the end of it she said she could see. Um, and so it was just things like this, like we happened so often while we were there. Somebody who was there, they couldn't raise their arms like above, kind of like their hip. Um, they could just kind of raise it very low. And so... A couple of our people were um, in her house and they were praying for her. And um, by the end of it, she was able to raise her hands over her head. She was able to move her body fully and she said there was no pain in her body at all. Um, so it's just so, it's so amazing to see how God's working. And these people, it's not just that they're being healed, but that they're open to it. And when they're open to it, we see God's coming in and they feel something moving in their spirit. We see something moving in their life. So it's not just that they're physically being healed, but that they're spiritually and mentally being healed as well. So those were just a couple big things that I wanted to talk about um, while I was there. Um, I mean, so many other things happened. We did a lot of other ministries as well. But, yeah, that's just kind of the big stuff that I wanted to point out. Um, and so I do want to talk a little bit about the biggest breakthroughs in my life and what happened while I was there, so for me personally. Um, going back to Sweden, it was a challenge to go there. Um, I mean, you guys probably saw it. I had a really hard time leaving um, and I think I was experiencing a lot of spiritual warfare. Um, driving down to the airport, I, I had a panic attack in the car, and I said, I can't do this, I can't go. Um, and then again, when I landed in London, I was there for <laughs> 10 hours, and I had another panic attack. And I tell you, I was physically paralyzed when I got there. I, I couldn't move. And so I sat in a chair for about eight hours, and I, and I had to really fight because I just wanted to go home. But I, I was really praying before I left. I said, God, you need to show me a sign because I don't know why I'm going to Sweden. It's all the way across the world. I don't want to go. I don't know what you're going to do with me. Like, I had a plan, and you, and you messed it up. That was my mindset. <laughs> and so my life verse has been Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. They're not for harm. They're not for evil. But they're to give you hope and a future. And so I was still really struggling when I got to Sweden. It was still kind of a, a journey to get there. Um, but as soon as I pulled up to the base, as soon as they picked me up, um, there was a sign outside with Jeremiah 29:11 on it. And I was like, wow, okay, God, <laughs> I get it. And immediately, like, I walked in the door, and I just felt his peace run over me. I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be, and this is what he has for me in this season. And so just from the moment I got there, I really felt at home. I really, I had, I had made a spiritual family. Um, 
and I had amazing people in my life, and I had never really experienced this before, so it was, it was very much a breakthrough in my own journey. Um, and so a few weeks in, I was really struggling understanding who God was. I was really un struggling understanding who his spirit is. Um, and we had a week called The Father Heart of God. Um, and there was a teacher there. His name was Don Price. He's actually written a couple books, so you may have heard of him. He's very big in the YWAM world. Um, but he's just an amazing man of God, um, and he has a lot of good things to say. And so during that week, he was talking about God's love for us personally. And although I've been a Christian for... 12 years, 13 years almost, um, I've never experienced God's love for me personally. Um, it's always been a struggle, and I've just, you know, it was always in my head, but it was never in my heart. So during this week, I was given a, a vision of me with God, and in that moment, I, I experienced God's love for the first time um, in, in a personal way. So it was very powerful. Um, I feel like at that point, there was a lot of breakthrough in my relationship, my walk with him. Um, it was a struggle to push through, because there's always a struggle. It's never easy to actually walk with God. But after that point, I really felt something happened in my, my own heart and my own walk with him, and so I was able to go ahead. I was able to walk with him closer. Oh, thank you. Sorry, I'm trying not to talk fast. I normally have a translator, and so I think I'm taking advantage of talking fast. <laughs> um, so that was one of the biggest things that um, God did during the DTS. Um, another really challenging thing was uh, he challenged me in my whole identity. Um, we had a week called Inner Healing, and somebody, the teacher for that week, was sitting next to me, and, and she, she just told me, she's like, I don't think you're living the life God wanted you to live. And I was a little bit taken aback. I was like, okay, what do you... That's a big statement. Um, what do you mean? <laughs> and so she went on to tell me just that she felt I had been trying to live as somebody else for a long time. And I've, I'm stuck in, in habits and ways that are not my own. Um, and she was, very, she was very correct in that. Um, I think for about 12 years, I've, 10, 10 years, I've really struggled in my own identity. I've really um, tried to be like other people, tried to be like, friends or my family, and I've tried to act a certain way because I thought people would like it better. Um, and so after living that way for 10 years, it's kind of hard to break it. But I, it just clicked when she said it, and I knew that God was challenging me in that moment. And so that was probably about a month in, and so for the last four months, it was really him challenging me and who he wants me to be, not who other people want me to be or who I think I should be. Um, so that was another really, really big thing that happened to me personally. Um, and there's always challenges. I would never come back from YWAM saying that that was an easy experience. I would never come back and be like, oh my gosh, it was La La Land and I was just having so much fun. <laughs> it had really good days for sure, but it also had really, really hard, hard days. Um, and it is totally giving up control. Going on a mission trip with eight people is really hard. And you have to give up control. You are not, I'm not the boss, I'm not the leader. I had to submit to somebody else, and for me that was really difficult. Um, and for a lot of us that was really difficult. But it's just, you gotta do the hard things if you wanna grow. And God really challenged me in that. Like, this life isn't about easy, and it's not about us living for ourselves, but it's about us living for him. And so I wanna share a little bit about 
what he's been challenging me on, and that is Matthew 28, verses 18, 18 through 20. And you guys should probably know it. It's the Great Commission. It's um, Jesus' last command. So I'm going to read it really quick. And it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I think it's very important to look at this and see that Jesus starts with the statement, he has been given all authority on heaven and on the earth. And this is YWAM's call. It's the Great Commission. This is what God put on Lauren Cunningham's heart when he started YWAM. Um, and I'd never really read this, these two verses the same way before I went to YWAM. But if we were taught it very early on, and they, they emphasized that this was Jesus' Jesus's last request before he went to heaven. This was Jesus' last command to his disciples. And it wasn't just the disciples he had then, but it's to all of us now. And he never said, if you feel led, go into the world and make disciples. If you feel led, go baptize them. No, no. It was just he said, go and make disciples. Go and baptize them. Tell them about who I am. It wasn't an option. But he just told us that our call as his followers was to go and make more disciples. And... This really got me because I'm like, oh, I don't think everybody's called to be a missionary. I'm like, I'm not called to be a missionary. I don't want to do that. But we're all called to be missionaries. It doesn't matter if we're across the world. It doesn't matter if we're in our hometown or we're driving to another state and we're doing it. But we're all called to be missionaries. We're all called to go preach the gospel, to tell people about who Jesus is. Because I've lived with Jesus and I've walked with Jesus for a long time now. And I love the life that I'm living with him. Why wouldn't I want other people to experience that? Sometimes I get so caught up in the, oh, but I'm scared. What if they think I'm weird? What if, they, what if they say something mean to me? But, like, why does that matter? <laughs> because it's not about me. I want other people to be able to experience Jesus. You know, and our call is to go and tell them about who he is. If they're closed off to it, our call is to go and pray for them and to ask God to open up their heart. But it's not our call to make them disciples if they're not going to be open to it. But it is our job to go and tell people about who Jesus is. And so I just want to encourage us as a church family to not get stuck in what we're doing and not just get stuck in going to church and being a Christian, but going out and being disciples, going out and being missionaries and telling people about who Jesus is. Even though it's really hard, even though we may not know where to start, it's seeking the Lord and asking him where he wants to use you because he has a calling and he wants to use all of us in a different way. He's not gonna use all of us in the same way. But yeah, I just, I see with all the revival happening um, in America and it's happening all over the world, like it's our time. It's time for the church to rise up. It's time for the church to reach out and it's time to ask the Holy Spirit to move. And we can't make revival happen. That's not our job. It's the Holy Spirit's job, but it is our job to bring the good news out and not just keep it in. And so that's something I've really been challenged in, and I just wanted to share it with you guys today. Um, and, yeah, there's so many more stories. There's so many more things I can tell, but, um, you know, I, I, I come here pretty often, so you guys can always talk to me. You guys can always ask me questions. <laughs> um, but, 
Yeah, so I just, uh, I want to say thank you to all of you, um, people who were supporting me financially, people who, I know everybody was supporting me in prayer. Um, I couldn't have made it without you guys, and so I really just want to say a really big thank you to all of you. Um, you're all very important to me, as I've kind of grown up with most of the people here. Um, and yeah, I know God has placed you all specifically in my life for a reason, so I'm very thankful for this church family. I'm very thankful for everybody here. Um, and it was a really awesome journey. I'm not sure what I'm going to do next. So you can't ask me, but I don't. <laughs> I don't know yet. So you can continue to stand with me in prayer as I'm seeking God and, and um, asking him what he wants me to do. Um, yeah, so I just want to say thank you. Thank you guys so much for watching my videos every few weeks and um, supporting me in whatever ways you did. Um, and so now that I've painted a picture, I do have a short slideshow for you guys to enjoy. So... Thank you.
want to thank everyone who's prayed for her and, and supported her. We want to take a few minutes. I know it's late. We want to pray for uh, Crestline Lake Arrowhead. Um, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good over here. They're not. And so just be really praying. We want to spend some time praying. But it's, um, yeah, it's just... Uh, the stories are kind of amazing how bad some of the people are doing over there, still trapped. Um, I know there was, I think, three houses that exploded. Um, their store collapsed in Crestline, and and uh, this was just bad. So let's let's spend a couple minutes in prayer, um, and then uh, the ladies are going to start getting the food. After that, we're going to move all the chairs, and, and we'll get lunch going. But let's just just if you want to pray, just pray. Amen. Pray out loud.
people that are clearing the snow, the tractors, the men and women that are operating that stuff. Just pray you keep them safe, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, over the whole situation there, Lord, that they will be able to move that stuff, get it cleared out, and help the people that are trapped, help the people that are uh, are discouraged and, and uh, hurting. Pray for the food, the electricity, the water, the gas, all the stuff that people need, Lord. I pray for that store that collapsed, that you just bring the workers to help get that back up and running we just pray for that situation over there Lord thank you that we have the opportunity to come to you we know you'll come through Lord thank you pray that you would continue to move upon our hearts um, to pray and then also Lord to, if there's anything specific we can individually or personally do uh, if there's a if it's a financial thing or just to show us if there is anything uh, even if it's just a local thing and helping somebody who's still here who needs a, a help assistance God um, you know again we just we say amen to all the prayers of keeping people safe, their their spirits safe, bringing deliverance and food and, and heat and all the things that are needed. Lord, um, we just pray for that. And thank you for uh, your love and your, your support and your grace in our lives and in their lives too. All right, and, um, Father, we thank you for this time together as the body. And this, uh, we even uh, thank you for the food, the, the lunch that gonna, we're going to have. That you would bless it. Bless our time in fellowship and then our, our annual meeting, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <coughs> All right. So we're going to be moving some, some chairs and things like that. And uh, we'll, eat, we'll eat quick.
or soon, not quick. We'll eat soon. We don't have to eat quick. 